Welcome back, everyone, to our latest episode of High School Transcript. This is your host, Rowan, joined here today by... Bailey Bliss, and we're here with Miss Adams to know more about her transition to college and her advice for the students here at Lakeside. We hope you guys enjoy giving it a listen. <laughs> um, well, I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, so um, I wound up moving here because my husband was in the Navy. Um, but growing up in New Orleans, you're growing up with a mixture of different cultures, um, with different backgrounds. So, you know, I had a good childhood, you know, I'm the oldest of two. What about like your high school involvement? Oh, or well, what was your high school high school, um, I always, always went to public schools. I never went to like any private or Catholic schools, um, which are like a big thing in New Orleans. Um, and when I was in elementary school, I got skipped a grade. So I actually graduated school early, graduated at 16 from high school. Um, so most of my peers were like 17, 18 graduating, and I was starting college, turning 17. Um, and the high school that I went to was like a college preparatory high school. Um, you had to test to get in. So we tested um, at the sixth grade level, um, and then you received a letter to let you know if you could uh, you know, have admittance to the school. Other than that, you went to like your neighboring school um, for the area that you lived in. Um, and that school was like a seventh through 12th high school. Um, so I had been there since seventh grade and finished at 12. Um, I took a lot of um, college prep courses um, as well as a lot of AP classes. They didn't have a lot of them back then like you guys have now, as I mentioned. Um, but I did take like AP psych and I didn't take any AP math because that's my enemy, math. <laughs> um, but I was pretty much like an AB student. Um, I was involved in a lot of different clubs, like Spanish club, French club. I was in choir. Um, I was part of National Honor Society, Spanish Honor Society. Um, I was also part of this club called DECA. It's called Distributive Education um, Careers for Students. So it's like if you're interested in like the hospitality industry or being an entrepreneur or business. So at the time, I was interested in business, so that's why I joined that club. And I also played basketball. I was forward, power forward, and um, I ran track. So I ran 100, 200, and then 4x4 uh, relay. At that point, you said you were interested in business. When did that change? Um, no, it didn't really, because it was between that and architecture. Um, but architecture takes a lot of math. Once again, as I mentioned, <laughs> yeah, math is my enemy. Um, because one of my hobbies, I always like to draw. So I have like a couple cousins that actually um, went on to like draw a couple of pages for Marvel, which I was like super envious of. Um, and I come from a very artistic family. So either a lot of my relatives either play on the side, like in jazz bands, or they are artists of some sort. So even my brother got a degree in art. Um, but that didn't pan out because, of course, you don't make a lot of money, you know, being an artist. Um, but my parents, well, particularly my father, owned his own business on the side, so that kind of sparked my interest in business. And um, I had been working since I was 15, so my parents always push, you know, if you want something, you have to work for it, even though we can afford to give you this. If you want these expensive kicks, then you need to put in some money for it. So one of the things that um, prompted me to start working at an early age is because my parents kind of, you know, said, well, if you raise $1,000, we'll match it to get you your first car. When you're 15, 16, you're like, hey, I'm ready, you know, to drive. I'm ready to have my own car. But um, that kind of started sparking my interest in making money and owning my own stuff. 
So um, when I first got to college, I had a double major. So I was majoring in business, part of it was international, and in architecture, okay? Both of those are like a five, four or five year program. I'm going in at 16, because you know, I know what I want to do, and this is it. So I got to the second year, for freshman year was fine, because I was also running track, but I got an academic scholarship to go. And I got accepted to a lot of different colleges, but I settled on LSU because it was only an hour away from home. And like I said, I'm the oldest. My mom was kind of, you know, she didn't want me to go too far. So um, I stayed in the architecture program two years because like after my first year trying to run track and do school, it was a lot to balance. Because back then we used to have to get up for practice at three. Oh, try, you know, yeah, work out, <laughs> practice. We used to have to run the stadium stairs. And I don't know if you've ever seen like, you know, Death Valley, Tiger Stadium. We used to have to run those stairs. And then uh, start class. You'd go eat breakfast, start class. Then you would have study hall. So it was a mandatory study hall for, like, those people that were athletes, even if you were a walk-on. Um, and then you would go to, like, any afternoon classes you had. And then we would have afternoon practice. So, and so, like, the coach that I had, you know, that's why LSU has a lot of titles for track because Coach Pat Henry was a beast. So, you know, he's gotten a lot of people, you know, Olympics and this, that, and the other. Um, but it was just a lot for me freshman year. And seeing as though I wasn't, you know, on athletic scholarship, it was something that I just enjoyed doing, nothing that I had to do. Um, but second year of architecture school kind of started getting hectic. Business part was, you know, good. I kind of flew through that. Um, but second year is when the math started kicking in. And I had this one class that I was the only African-American female. And my class was predominantly like white males. A lot of them, this was their like third time taking this one class. Yeah. So I'm like, this is my first time taking it. And they're all in like, oh, yeah, we, we had to retake it because we got D's. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So that kind of intimidated me. And then when I saw, you know, you had to measure like the tresses and, you know, all these beams. And so you won't kill people when you're trying to build these buildings. And it's like the math was ridiculous. So once I realized I got a D out of that class, I was like, I'm done with architecture. So I just stuck, <laughs> I just stuck with, you know, business. So I wound up graduating with a business degree in, um, from LSU, and that was, I was like 22, 23 around that time, and I got my first like real job, because my other jobs were you know fine, because I worked at like different hotels as a secretary, and made decent money, but like my real big money came from after I graduated. So I started working with a fiber optics company, and this was like before cell phones was like widespread, because most people that only had cell phones back then were either doctors or people that had money. And they had those big clunky cell phones, you know, in the, in the bags that you tote bags you carry. <laughs> so um, we were like working with companies like AT&T and Sprint. And we were working to expand the fiber optic ne network around the nation. So I was working like 60, 70 hours a week. Um, but, you know, I'm young, single. I can do it. I'm making money, lots of money. So I used that whenever I had downtime to travel. But I always found myself like working with other, you know, students or tutoring, um, because that's also how I made my extra cash, in, you know, in college, because you can't really hold a job too much in college. Um, so I just kind of went with that, stayed with that for a couple of years, and I got burnt out. So I decided, okay, I need to have a career change. I need something that's going to give me some sort of break, but it's something that I enjoy. And because I had so many different interests, it was like, mm, what do I want to kind of do? 
And like I said, I still was finding myself like working with kids. So I was like, okay, even though my parents discouraged me from being a teacher, because my grandmother was a teacher, my mother was a teacher, but they taught elementary school. Can't do elementary school. <laughs> so I went back to school and I went to an HBCU, Historically Black College and University. And I went to Southern University in Baton Rouge. Um, and I got my degree, well, I actually got three degrees in uh, education. Well, the first one's in history, because I love history. So that one's in history, and I have a double major in that one, so I can also cover social sciences, so I can teach like psychology or you know, economics, stuff like that. Um, my second degree was in Spanish, completely. And then my third one is a master's, so I have a master's in education. So, so yes, I do have a total of four degrees. <laughs> and in, in, the, in the world of education, it helps to have multiple degrees. Um, like beyond a PhD, like if you beyond a master's, it really is not worth it unless you plan on teaching like at a collegiate level. So the only degree that I would have to attain next would be a PhD, which I don't think I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> was that initial transition from high school to LSU, was that difficult or was that uh, a fairly smooth transition? Well, it was a you? smooth transition because of the school that I went to. Okay. Um, like I said, it was a college preparatory school, so it prepared you for college. So, like how you guys here take, um, like, the PSAT and stuff like that, we did that in ninth grade. So we took the actual test. So it wasn't like a practice one. So um, they would, you know, pay for it our tenth, ninth grade and 10th grade year. And, like, your junior year, you were on your own to pay for it. So you could either take the ACT or the SAT. And so it was like freshman year kind of gauged, okay, well, this is what I know, you know. And at the time, the scores weren't as high. So, like, most colleges were accepting, like, if you had a 19, that was good, you know. If you got, like, a 20, because, like, the most you can get on the ACT is a 36. That's the highest. That's a perfect score. So if you got, like, a 20-something, that was, like, scholarship, you know. So a lot of my peers... Like, once we got our scores back and we saw we got, like, a 24, we were like, oh, I'm good. I don't have to take it again. <laughs> and some, some opted to take the SAT. Some did the ACT. I did the ACT because the SAT was, like, a bit too analytical for me. And I was just like, no, it's going to, you know, it's hurting my brain. You know, I'd rather stick with the ACT. So I kind of prepped more for that. But the transition was, you know, pretty smooth. And I think it was more so because I spent from 7th grade to 12th grade there. So there was no middle school for me. I was always in, like, a high school, you know, environment. Like I said, compared to my brother, he went to actual middle school. You know how you guys have the transition from 6th, 7th, 8th grade before you get to high school, so. Um, was the university in your hometown? No. It's an hour away. Um, like I said, I'm from New Orleans, and um, LSU is located in Baton Rouge. So it's located approximately 80 miles from the city of New Orleans. So that was, like I said, one of the reasons why I chose it, because it was close enough for my mom to be able to get in the car, drive, and visit. Or if I got sick, quote-unquote, that was her main worry. Um, you know, who would take care of me? Because I was her precious daughter, the oldest, you know. And like I said, I'm the oldest of two. My brother's five years younger than I am. And I've always, like, loved school and loved to learn. So like I said, I was the A-B student. My brother was kind of like, eh, I made a D, you know. So he was like the CD kid. And he didn't, like, really blossom until after he graduated from high school. So when he got to college, you know, my mom's like, who's this kid? Because he started making, like, A's and B's. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said that your transition from high school or your preparatory school to college was fairly smooth. Mm -hmm. What about your transition from college to teaching? From college to teaching, um, 
Well, once you go through the program, for most schools, they prepare you somewhat, not for everything, because, you know, they just give you, like, the logistical stuff that you're going to experience. But because I had family that taught, you know, I was in the classroom with them. And part of the program, when you go through um, a program for education, you do have to student teach. So I know you notice a lot of times on campus you'll have some teachers that are there in student teaching. So I would pick up a lot of things there, you know, and how I would transition that to when I would teach in class. So um, I started off um, teaching middle school once I did, you know, land a job because I have teaching years in uh, Louisiana because I'm certified to teach there as well as here in California. Um, so I was able to kind of work with the kids there because I taught like history in some instances, I would have some high school classes where I teach economics, and economics is not the most interesting subject. But I would relate it to um, pop culture or things that you guys are, you know, used to in the culture. So it kind of made sense. So, um, yeah, I would just kind of put it towards, like, real-life lessons. And that's what I do also with Spanish. I use real-world applications so that it doesn't seem like, oh, I'm just learning this to get my credits and graduate. I want you to use what you learn. Where did you start your teaching career? Um, I started in Louisiana um, at a middle school. Like I said, I started teaching uh, history for sixth graders, because that's the lowest I'm going to go. Um, and then from there, progressed to uh, teaching Spanish to sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. So I worked um, at a middle school um, that is was partly an immersion school. So with the immersion program, um, which is one of the programs that I started at the school, it's where the kids learn everything in the target language, and we either taught them Latin, French, or Spanish. And the only thing that they don't learn in that language is English. That's the only class that's not taught in one of those three languages. So, And then growing up in Louisiana, you know, we're taught French and Spanish in elementary school. Is that how you came to know Spanish? Yeah, and okay. plus some of my relatives. Okay. Because, like, on my mom's side, they're Honduran. So I'm in a mixture of black and Honduran. So just trying to, like, being able to communicate with my grandparents and some of my friends. So, like, my, both my brother and I speak Spanish. I'm losing my French because I don't use it as much being out here in California. But, yeah. You should talk to Madame Cecilia. She's I know. I've been, I've, been trying to slide in, I've been trying to slide in some of her classes to kind of mm -hmm. brush up, but... We haven't gotten there yet because, you know, she had the baby. And yeah. So I lost out on that. But, yeah, I can still do a little French. But it <laughs> takes me a minute. <laughs> so you said um, your husband was in the Navy? Yeah. So you wanted to move out to California to be closer? Not want. You have no him? choice when you're in the military. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, like, my husband and I um, actually went to the same high school, oddly enough. Um, we knew each other but did, never dated. Um, you know, he and I were like, cool. You know, you see people like, hey, what's up? How you doing? He was that, that type of guy. Um, but he didn't go to college like right after high school. He went straight into the military. So he made like a 25-year career out of being in the military. Um, but we got married ooh, almost like 20, yeah, 20 years ago. So I have one son. And like outside of that, he had a daughter before we got married. So... Um, once we had our, my son, they always stationed him somewhere different and had him moving around. So I wanted stability for my son, so I just stayed in Louisiana. Um, when they told him that this was going to be his last stop here in San Diego, then that's when I decided to make the move. So, What made you decide to come to Lakeside? Well, it was close to where I live because I currently live in Temecula. Um, when I first moved here um, to California, it was in 2011, um, there weren't any jobs available. 
So I was actually commuting from here to Irvine. So I started teaching in Irvine and then I got a position in San Marcos and I stayed there for about four, five years. And then this one opened up. So I applied and I got it. <laughs> what was your first year at Lakeside like? Um, it was interesting because, um, like I said, the school system in California is totally different from the school systems um, in Louisiana. Um, yeah, very, very, very different. So it was, it was a real culture shock um, because, like, we don't have to do community service in Louisiana. So that's not part of the requirements. But we also have other things that are required to graduate, you know. Um, and, like, if you don't pass classes, yeah, you do move on to the next grade, but you have to go to summer school. And with summer school, you have to pay for summer school. So that's, like, one of the major differences mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah, along with, you know, some of the activities, you know, are similar, but um, I think we have, like, way more activities than you guys would have out here. During your uh, first year here at Lakeside, what did you teach first? Um, my first year I taught um, just Spanish 1 and Natives 1, which is currently now called Natives 2. Oh. So, yeah, those are the courses that I um, taught, like, my first year. Are you still teaching those? Yeah. Are you doing, like, more than one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, like, my second year, they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, we see you're, you know, pretty good. You, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So then I wound up doing Spanish 1, Spanish 2, and Natives. So I had, like, three different levels that I was working with. Um, the last two years, I've only had one and two. So it's kind of been good because I don't have to do three different lessons. Did you teach history at all? Like No, at not, not here at Lakeside, no. Because most of your history positions are already taken, and yeah. a lot of teachers don't leave until they actually, like, retire or something. So, you know, but, like, Spanish is more in demand because you don't have a lot of teachers, you know, that are getting degrees or, you know, are certified in Spanish. I can also teach science so because I'm certified to teach science. But I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when, the, you know, a lot of the, like, when Miss uh, Newell retired, I was like, do not ask me to teach history because that'll be four things I would have to right. teach. So I was just like... You know, if they couldn't find anybody, then I was like, okay. So I was like glad when Miss Maxson stepped in and took over her classes. But yeah, I miss her. Over your um, years at Lakeside, how have you seen either the campus change or the atmosphere change or just like the vibe overall change? Or has um, it changed? Yeah, it has. It has. Like within the last couple of years, I've seen like it changed a lot. Because it was like initially, I think like just, I'm not going to say like student morale was low. But a lot of kids weren't, like, involved in a lot of things on campus. And I'm kind of starting to see that a lot of kids are, you know, becoming more involved in some of the activities, some of the clubs. Um, They're, you know, attending more of, like, the sports events because, you know, some sports get more, you know, recognition than others. But we're starting to get a lot more, you know, students participating in things. So I think, like, the overall vibe of the campus is, you know, moving in an upward trend. It's being more positive. Do you see yourself continuing out your teaching career here at Lakeside? Yes. Okay. I plan on retiring from Lakeside. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm looking to, you know, possibly stay in California as long as I'm comfortable and I can afford it, you know. Because um, Louisiana is still, you know, incredibly, reasonably cheap, <laughs> cheaper than California. Um, and, you know, I always have that as a backup because, like I said, I can always go back and teach there. But um, for now, you know, as long as I can afford to stay in California and not have to dip into my bank accounts, then I'm here to stay. 
Um, speaking of your teaching experience, how are you feeling about this new schedule, this this hybrid schedule? What are I'm, your thoughts? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it's it's an interesting schedule. I mean, I know, you know, it's good that it's there to benefit all kids, you know, for those that want to come back on campus and for those that, um, you know, want to remain home because we do want to make sure everyone's safe. But I don't think a lot of the students realize on the teacher's end how much work that is because now it's split into three different groups. So now instead of having five different roll books to keep track of, we now have, you know, 15 rosters of, yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 15 rosters. They have to do attendance and grades. And so, you know, I think they're still working on a lot of kinks, you know, especially with IC because a lot of stuff hasn't transferred there. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'll, you know, be glad when we're back to normal whatever that will be, our regular <laughs> schedule. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I want to say, our regular schedule. Um, you know, so that we'll, you know, have the students on campus because it's like right now, even with the small number of students on campus, it's kind of strange. Yeah. You yeah you're like, where's everybody else? Right, yeah. right. Because, I mean, it, you know, you see students here, but it still feels empty, you know? Yeah. It's not lakeside, so. Yeah, there's like some classes that have like four students right. or even like one student in those. Um. But it's definitely a schedule change um, with just, like, everyone's daily routines, mm-hmm. like, from yeah. uh, virtual to hybrid. Now, like, your day, it feels so much longer because right. it's full of, like, actually being on campus. Um, before this hybrid schedule, what did you do in your free time when you had free time? And what do you still do in your free time if you have any free time? Well, I'm a very busy woman. Um, and I, you know, try to keep busy um, because, like, if you stay active, you know, you are used to you know, it helps not become, like, content, you know, and then, like, you stay young, so mm-hmm. to speak, um, when, you know, when you're doing something. But outside of school, um, I belong to a lot of different um, community uh, organizations, so I'm always, like, doing stuff like food drives or um, I'll do stuff, like, for back to school. Sometimes I'll fly back home because I'm still involved with some of the com- uh, organizations there, and we'll do back to school drives or we'll get together for, like, medical assistance for some of the um, communities that don't have it. Or we'll do, um, since we've been doing a lot of online stuff, we've been doing a lot of Zoom this year. So we've been having like guest speakers come in and talk about um, like the difference between the different COVID shots, you know, and uh, address people if they have questions or answers about them because a lot of people were hesitant about getting COVID shots or the vaccine. So um, we had like, they call them town forums where people can kind of just come in and visit. So we had them online um, and I did a couple like I said, in for Louisiana and then some for here. Um, outside of being part of the community and helping out, um, I do Pilates, you know, so I can try to stay in shape. Um, and I do still run, not as fast as I used to, <laughs> but I do still run. Um, I, well, I love to travel, but haven't been able to do that because of COVID. Um, so I've been finding myself like getting back to reading because I used to love reading like different books. Um, so I'm getting back to that, and I'm still working on my Italian. So I started picking up that, and I want to do Mandarin now that we have Mandarin here. So I'm going to try to slide in French, brush up on my French, and then learn and some. Slide in the Mandarin yeah, class? Yes, and learn <laughs> some Mandarin. Because I mean, with the Mandarin, I just know, like, little basic phrases, you know, like, okay, yeah. hi, yes, you know. But I want to actually learn it. So I guess I want to be a speaker of multiple languages. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, your whole, like, transition, you said you were 16 when you were transitioning into college, and mm-hmm. how smoothly that went, that's, yeah, like, I know. crazy. Yeah. Um, and, like, with all the different things you were doing, just, like, 
in college, you were doing track, you were doing um, yeah, all your tutoring, you are doing yeah. all your academics, and, you know, it did sound like a handful, but you still pushed through. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a matter of finding balance, and that's what I think a lot of the students here need to um, do. And this is like the training grounds, because I know a lot of kids say, oh, I didn't learn anything in high school. This is the, the time for you to learn that kind of stuff. You learn how to balance, like, not only your personal you know, life, like you want to go out and hang with friends, but it, particularly if you're an athlete. That's why they say student-athlete. You're called a student-athlete because student comes first, so you have to handle that business first before you can get into the athletics. But you have to balance, like, doing that in practice. So even like you were saying, when I was in high school, you know, you have practice at a certain time. Mm-hmm. I had homework to do, so in between, um, I would do homework, like, during whatever downtime. So if it was like lunchtime and my friends were like, haha, you know, let's hang out and kick it. I'm like, let me get this stuff done real quick. So I'm, you know, sitting here doing whatever homework I can. And in New Orleans, we don't have school buses like you guys have here. We would normally ride the city bus or we would be in like walking location or ride the streetcars to school. Um, and those were paid for by the school. So we didn't have to come out of pocket and pay for them. So um, like where we had practice, say like for track or for basketball, we used to have to go down the street to the track and field because it was like separate from where the school was. So I would be on the streetcar doing my homework. So anytime I had downtime, I would do that because by the time you finish with practice, you're tired mm-hmm. and hungry. You know, so most of the time, you know, you either want something to eat and you're ready to go to sleep and you're not thinking about homework. So I tried to get as much done in those little downtimes in between, you know, and then like the weekend was mine. <laughs> I was free. Um, you said you. Um, You said you enjoy traveling. Where have you traveled to and, like, where is your most memorable uh, trip? Where was that to? Ooh. Um, Well, I've traveled to um, a lot of different countries. Most of my travel has been, like, outside the country. I've traveled to a couple, you know, states within the U.S., but I've been to um, Honduras, of course, Puerto Rico, I have a lot of memories there because I actually studied um, for like a year and a half at the University de Sagrado Corazón, so Sacred Heart University, Um, and so I built a lot of relationships there. Um, I've been to Costa Rica, so I'm like touring, you know, all the Spanish-speaking countries. Um, I've been to um, Italy and Greece. And that's my love of architecture because I had to see the Vatican. I had to see, you know, all those buildings up close because, mm-hmm. you you know, you see them in, in the books, but it's nothing like being in person. Yeah. Um, I've been to um, Argentina. Where else have I? Well, of course, Mexico, but, you know, most people have gone to Mexico. Um, I've been to um, Haiti and the Dominican. So those are the ones so far. So Spain is last on my list because they have a different dialect of Spanish, so I'm gonna go there last. So that's the last of my tour of Hispanic countries that I will visit. Do you have any upcoming trips planned or on pause, <laughs> mid-plan because of COVID? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I have I have some, but I'll, you know, I'm gonna check ticket prices and <laughs> whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, before I'd like jump into actually planning for anything, so. But yeah, you know, next spot will be, um, I want to go back to Italy because I didn't get a chance to go all over. Um, I just went to Rome, but I want to go to like Tuscany and, you know, go to places like that. But um, yeah, I want to travel to other spots. I actually want to go to um, Bahrain. I want to go there. Um, I wouldn't mind going to Fiji. That's on my list too. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, got to see what the airline tickets look like. <laughs> 
It sounds like you've been to a lot of Hispanic countries. Are there any other countries that you'd want to visit that aren't Hispanic? Like yeah, like I said, go to um, like a lot of because I'm I like really like tropical. If I'm going on vacation, mm-hmm. to be honest, like tropical islands. So like Turks and Caicos would be nice. Like I said, Fiji. Um, I haven't been to Hawaii yet, so I want to you know like check out Hawaii. Um, but you know I also like going for like historical stuff too. You know yeah. so. Um, I've, only reason I've been to like a lot of the Spanish-speaking countries is because I'm interested in the ruins there, as well as, of course, you know, I speak the language. So just going to visit different cultures, because most people, when they think of like Spanish, they think Mexican, mm-hmm. you know, but there are different variations. So right. in each culture, each, you know, whether you're Honduran, whether you're Puerto Rican, whether you're El Salvadorian, you know, each one has their own culture, but they have some commonality, you know, between them. So I just kind of like to go and check them on experience for myself. So, well, and France is on my list, too, of places to go. But I want to, you know, get my French together right. Right, <laughs> before, before I got there. Because it's like even with the little Italian that I knew, I made it when I was in Italy, uh-huh. you know, enough to, like, communicate, you know, with the people. And I was like, cool. You know, so it's kind of like an awesome feeling to know, okay, you can go in and just kind of, like, communicate. You don't have to worry about, you know, well, what are they saying or how do I ask for this, you know. So Greece was another story. <laughs> Um, is traveling something that you would encourage um, any Lakeside students to do if they got the opportunity? Yes. Yes. It's always, I mean, even if it's not out the country, you know, even if you go to another state in the United States, you can learn so much and, you know, it'll be, um, I would say like a culture shock because you would see how other people live. Because like California is very laid back, you know, how they always had that commercial with like the uh, celebrities, I don't know if you've seen it, and they're like, California is this, and all you see is like surfboards and beaches and, right. you know, this, that, and the other. So that's what most people associate California with. I mean, and it is a very like liberal, layback state, um, but there's so much more to it than that, you know, because like a lot of people don't realize that beyond the surf and sand, you have Big Bear, you got snow. Yeah. So it's a lot of things that you can do in California that people just have no idea about. So if you, you know, go outside to even another city in California, because I know a lot of people don't even venture out that far and visit other cities, you know, to realize the difference. But I think, like, just going outside and, you know, traveling somewhere else, like to Arizona, Colorado, you know, it'll be experience in itself. I think it's definitely been beneficial for those students that have had the opportunity to go on trips, especially with um, Mr. Tillery and Mr. Perez, those oh, trips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I was supposed to go on, um, what was that last trip? That Italy and Greece? Doing? No, I did that the already. The Japan? Costa Rica? Yeah, it was, a, it was the Japan oh, one. Yeah, I was supposed to go on that and one, And I was, like, so bummed because I was like, oh. Yeah. You were supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah, couldn't do it. You were supposed to go to it? No, I want to go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to try to pick up one, you know, and do it again. But, like, the, the Italy, when I went on the Italy and Greece one, I wound up going twice because, like, you know, how he has the tours. I went with my son, like, his sophomore year. Um, so we kind of did, like, a mother, you know, son trip. Mm-hmm which was kind of cool. So I kind of got him out of the country because, you know, he's used to traveling, like, within the U.S., mm-hmm. and he hadn't been out the country, so that was, like, his first time going. So I wanted to experience that with him, and he was just, like, awestruck. And then he got, you know, the bug bit him, and he was like, oh, um, I want to renew my passport, and I want to go. And I was like, not on my dime. I was like, <laughs> I was like, the first ones were free, but these. <laughs> you have any future trips you have to pay for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like a definitely um, an eye-opening experience for those students that do get the opportunity to go. Um, speaking of those Lakeside students, we do have a couple student questions for you. Okay. 
Um, the first one is, at, during your time at Lakeside, what has been your most memorable Lakeside moment or experience that you will never forget? Oh, yeah, I know. I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, because I want to say it was, like, probably, like, my first rally here. Um, you know, just seeing, like, all the students filled up in the stands. Um you know, and just kind of like the energy that, you know, the kids emitted, you know, from some of the activities. Because, like, a lot of the stuff that ASB puts on, kind of wonky out, I guess. I don't know. Um, oh, did it go out? Yeah, it went yeah, out. Yeah, that happened to me. Just, like, <laughs> okay. a little cord thing and it'll fix um, it. It's back on, though. But um, just, uh, you know, like, you know, seeing, like, the student participation in some of the games and then some of the activities and, you know, performances that are done by a lot of the uh, clubs and you know the, the dance team and so forth that was kind of exciting to see something different um, our second student question is what is a life experience or event that you've gone through that you think other students would benefit from either learning through your experience or hearing about well I mean not just my experience but I think if you have any adult that's willing to give you any you know useful information you know take it I mean it may not always apply to your situation but I was always, I mean, you know, because as a, a teenager, you think like, oh, I know it all. I got this. I mean, I had that mentality, too. But I always listened to like what some people said, like even with my parents, you know, they would say, oh, you know, because they try to keep you from making the same mistakes that they did. But of course, a lot of us teenagers were hard headed. We don't want to hear all that, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, but I would still listen. And it's kind of like some of this stuff would play exactly how my parents said, but the ending would be a little different. So it was kind of like listening to that information and knowing, okay, well, this is how I went, and he did say this, that, and the other. It helped me to navigate and move a different direction so that my outcome was different from his, you know, whether that was positive or, you know, maybe sometimes negative. But it was a learning experience. So if you have anybody that gives you any good advice or takes an interest in something that you like to do, you know, I would say, you know, encourage students to, you know, hold on to that information or advice. Because it can always be useful somewhere in your life. And stop lying, kids, because we know. <laughs> we know when you lie. We were once teenagers, too. <laughs> so we were talking off mic, and you mentioned that you went to school with Shaquille O'Neal. Right. So what was that like? Um, like I said, it was an interesting experience. I mean, because just like when you start high school, you're a freshman, you have no idea of what campus it's going to be like. And... Imagine being on a college campus, because like you were saying, the college you visited, it's almost like a city within a city. Yeah. So it's like when you're in high school, just like the freshmen here are trying to navigate and find where their classes are, and majority of classes are between two buildings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, imagine trying to find English class in this building that's across campus. Right. You know, or going to science, and science is where the football field is, you mm -hmm. know. So you have to try to navigate that. So it's like you have like a small community of people that you kind of like get close to. And like I said, by being an athlete, we kind of all stuck together, whether we played, um, you know, softball, ran track, whether, um, you know, it was like football players or whatever, because with LSU, LSU is a predominantly white school. So most of the people of color, whether like Hispanic or, you know, African-American, we kind of stuck together as a close group. So we would have our own like spot in the stadium for football season, you know, where we would be like the rowdiest section. Um, <laughs> So it was like when we all came in as freshmen, we didn't, you know, know a lot of people. Like some of the people that I went to high school with were there. So it's like, oh, I knew like five people, right. you know, which kind of helped. But then you start branching out. And because you don't all have the same classes 
at the same time, you're not in class with a lot of folks. So you have like your common area, which is normally on campuses are called the quad. So we would meet up there, and that's how we would, oh, okay, where are you from, you know, blah, 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 blah. So it was like, it was a big deal when Shaquille was brought in because he was brought in, of course, to, you know, bring up the basketball program. And the first time I met him, he came with his mom, his his dad, his stepdad, and his, like, brother and two sisters. And they were just as tall as he is. <laughs> so it's kind of like... I'm 5'9", and, you know, of course, he was, like, way taller than that as a freshman, skinny. Um, and, you know, at the beginning of every year when I introduce myself to my students, I, like, show some throwback pictures of him mm-hmm. um, that I have, which is, like, super funny. But, um, like I was saying, most, most students know him from, like, you know, Sports Center or on TV. And he's, like, a big, big giant, but he has a really big heart. Um, and he's, like, super goofy. So all of that that you see, that's actually him. Um, moving in on campus, as I mentioned before, um, I was um, an add-on for track because I didn't go for track, but I, you know, continued running track my freshman year. So before they changed with NCAA rules, athletes stayed in separate dorms from regular students. So you had a female athletic dorm and then a boys' athletic dorm, which was like right across from each other. And then in the middle, we had our own cafeteria because we were required to eat certain number of calories and so forth to replace what we burned <laughs> during mm-hmm. practices. Um, so when they had to move him into his dorm, um, the standard college bed is like a twin size bed. Mm-hmm. So he was so tall that they had to actually put two beds together. <laughs> and you know, each room comes with like two beds because you're supposed to have a roommate. So like mm-hmm. his freshman year, he had a room to himself oh, because wow. like he couldn't fit in, in anything else, <laughs> you know? And it was like, that's why a lot of his clothes, he gets tailor made. So like his sophomore year, he had better clothes. Cause like when he came in, he would have on like an Adidas jogging suit or something, but they make them standard for average people. So uh-huh. when he put them on, they were like high waters. <laughs> so he used to always wear like high tops to kind of cover the gap oh. <laughs> between the pants <laughs> and the shoe. And so, um, you know, like the time that we had at LSU was like the greatest. So that's why he always comes back. And, you know, we normally have like a um, college reunion thing where we meet up during homecoming and we like barbecue and hang out before the game. Um we hadn't been doing that like the last couple of years, especially like last year for, because of COVID. But, you know, we all try to keep in touch, whether it's like through social media or, you know, sending a quick text or something like that. But, yeah, that's like one of our most memorable moments for, for like first meeting him. But, you know, like I said, regardless of what journey you take and the path that you go in life, the people that you meet are some of the people that will impact you because you never know who you're going to wind up meeting. Because being from New Orleans, I've met or I know, you know, a lot of people as oh this is so and so friend you know and then they become somebody big and you're like who that knucklehead you know <laughs> I remember him when you know da 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 so it's like you know I have a lot of friends that are like now jazz musicians like Martin Wynn Marcellus you know I grew up knowing him um, Master P you know um, Little Wayne actually went to the same high school that I went to um, so he's like come back and like giving back but I'm you know I'm older than he is so I don't really like know him personally <laughs> but um you know like Birdman yeah I know Birdman and his brother um and so you know most of the guys that I know are, are unfortunately are rappers <laughs> um because of the scene in New Orleans but I do know like some jazz musicians and then being at LSU um you know being surrounded by a lot of people there like some of the people um whether they were athletes or not a lot of them are like in prominent positions um so there are like a lot of um, them that either are lawyers or they're like over companies now. 
So if I ever need a job, I can always, you know, <laughs> contact them and get in touch with them. But, um, you know, just, you know, being part of a group or getting to know people outside of what you would normally or com- be comfortable with, I think everybody should, you know, do that because you never know who, you, you know, you'll come across. What was your biggest takeaway from college other than, um, like, academic information? Like, what was the biggest lesson or experience um, Dealing with other people, Um, you know, from different backgrounds, different, um, you know, parts of the country. Um, Actually, like, my first year in college was my first time experiencing racism. And I handled that really well. (laughs) Because, like I said, I started when I was 16, um, and I went to, like, a summer program to kind of, like, get some of my classes out the way early. And so it was like a situation when I had to stay in the dorm. And, you know, when you sign up to stay in the dorm, you don't know who your roommate is unless Mm -hmm. you, you know, pick them. But for the summer program, you know, it was just kind of random, whoever signed up for it. So it was like this one girl, and then she, you know, she saw I was black, and she didn't want to stay in the room with me. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll just have the whole room to myself. That just means you have to sleep on someone's floor. (laughs) And I closed the door. But that was my first time experience racism. But, you know, um, that was like the most memorable thing. And then I saw her like two years later walking around campus, I was like, mm, she's still here. <laughs> I was like, she's still here. I bet you she won't graduate when I graduate. When I graduate. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But, um, yeah, but the most part, just, you know, getting to know other people, forming those relationships. Of course, like college, you know, they say high school is like your best time of your life. It is because you build friendships there. I still have, like, some friends that I've been friends with since seventh grade. And some of those friendships, they last now, you know, 30 <clears throat> some more years later. <laughs> um, but, you know, you also build relationships in college that can last a lifetime. So, you know, just finding those key people in your life that will play an important role for you, you know, like some of your most important moments like getting married or having kids, you know, for them to be there is kind of special. But just the whole thing of college, whether you decide to go to community college or four-year college, just, um, you know, try to expand your expand your mind expand yourself you know learn new things you know learn about yourself more what you may be interested in and not interested in and definitely have fun you know don't party too hard but you know definitely <laughs> have fun um well thank you for doing this podcast with us oh, no I mean, problem like, this whole your whole story was definitely like captivating for me so but yeah i enjoyed the little chat if you ever want me to come back just let me know Um, Thank you. All right. Thanks, Lakeside, for listening to me ramble. (laughs) Make sure you guys drop us a follow on Instagram and Spotify at High School Transcript. And be sure to keep an eye out for our new episodes as they're released every Wednesday and Sunday. See you guys next time.